So before we get started, I got a couple of announcements to make before we get started. Some youth announcements. Um, we definitely did just talk about creating spaces for the young people to be themselves, to worship, to learn about God, to have those conversations. So we have a couple of things that are coming up soon. One um, being March 31st through April 2nd. We are taking some of our young people on a spiritual retreat. It's a youth retreat um, up in Lynchburg, right? There's this place called Eagle Irie, and it's a mountaintop experience where we kind of go off to the mountain, you know, we kind of leave our parents and all that behind. Um, and we have worship. The young people worship where they are in their space. If you could put that slide up there. Um, and it's an opportunity for them to step out of the regular traditional style of church that they grew up in or that they're used to seeing and being in a space where they see people their age leading worship, their age preaching, their age leading conversations about God and topics that they deal with. So if you are interested in that, the information will come up on the, on the screen soon. Um, we'll have an interest meeting coming up soon, but I want to give you a preview of what it is, how much it is. Um, shout out to the people who so far decided to step in and volunteer to pay and sponsor some of the kids that will be going. But we will have an interest meeting um, in a couple of weeks soon, and I'll announce that when we get ready to set all of that up. But just know that is coming, all right? In the near future, at the end of this month, January 27th and 28th, actually next week, next Friday and Saturday, we'll be having a youth rally. Right? And it's the same type of situation. Um, on Friday, we will be partnering with multiple churches in the 757. And they'll bring their youth here at Ivy. We'll have some activities, events, kickback style. Um, if you're interested in that, and I want to leave that on the screen, there's a QR code on the screen. If you take your camera phones out, young people or adults who want to register their kids, you can just scan that picture for the QR code, and it'll take you to the link where you register your child. But once again, that space is for young people. And then on Saturday, we're partnering with this group from L.A. called Black Voices Movement. And it's actually a bunch of young adults who are missionaries, right? They take no money, they don't have houses, they go stay with whoever they serve and all of that. We're putting houses together for some of them to stay when they come to Virginia. And they're literally just freely going out worshiping God and they've agreed to come lead a youth rally that Saturday at C3 in Hampton. And they'll be worshiping, preaching, it'll be some breakout sessions, conversation as well, um, and some panel discussion, but some things that are for the youth. So that's January 27th and 28th, next Friday and Saturday. If there's any interest in that, please scan the QR code or talk to one of the youth leaders after service. All right. And I got one more announcement of something coming up soon, but I need some help. So if there are any young ladies in here that are in elementary school, middle school, or high school, can you please stand? Any young ladies that are in elementary middle, and high school. Get them a hand, get them a hand, get them a hand. Yeah. There you go, y'all stand up, y'all good. Okay. So on February 10th, what we are doing for you, now nah, don't sit down yet, yes. What we're doing for y'all is we have a father-daughter dinner coming up on February 10th, right? So ladies, you can have a seat. Now if there are any men in here that are the father of, big brother, uncle, any young ladies, can you stand? If you got a young lady in your life that's in elementary, middle, and high school, can you please stand? Any fathers of these young ladies, anybody? Yeah, go ahead, stand up, stand up. Listen, they say men don't stand a lot, so yeah, let's go ahead and stand up and let it be known, right? So here's what we want to do, right? We want to treat these young ladies like the princesses they are. We know Valentine's season is, is very stressful sometimes for people, and you know, if you remember being in high school, you want to know who giving you a note, some candy, all the other stuff. What we want to do as a church is pour into these young ladies first. We want to treat them nice first. We want to take them out and be the example for what they're going to get later on. So if we let the rest of the world be the first ones to take them out, then they're going to go off of that. So what we're going to do on February 10th, we're going to be in here, and we're going to have a formal slash semi-formal. You know, I ain't formal, so I'm cool with that. But we're going to have an event here, and we're going to take them to dinner for Valentine's Day. So any young ladies that are interested, we want you to get with any father, father figure, big brother, uncle, anybody who plays that role in your life, you are invited to be here February 10th for a dinner for you all. It is for you and men. If you have any of them in your life, sign up, invite them. It's only $10 per person, and you can find the registration link on the Ivy app, the Ivy website, and you can go up there and register for that. But once again, let's get it signed up. Amen? Amen. All right, cool. Thank you, thank you. So we're about to go ahead and get into this word. Um, shock, I'm preaching, so not so on. Um, so um, definitely, um, for those who have been praying for me, I definitely appreciate that. So if you could do me a favor, can we all stand real quick? Stand real quick, stand. 
I'm going to be up for a little bit. Now, I know we just honored fathers, um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I know the world kind of gives fathers a bad rep about not being there, not present, and things of that nature. And I'll be completely candid with you guys since I'm up here. Um, I know what it's like to not grow up with a father, right? And if you don't have that example, you kind of go off of everything you see. And that could be a good or a bad thing, depending on what you see. So I'll speak for me and my generation. While I didn't have mine present in the house, I did have some examples of fathers to grow up with. Um, I love watching TV. I'm a TV kid. I glued to it where they have screens and YouTube. I just watch sitcoms and TV, right? So on the screen, and this is, you know, we're going to get started. I got a couple of TV dads. Anybody know who that is? Carl Winslow. Okay, cool. So I'm not the only person who grew up with Carl. Shout out to my, one of my dads who was a cop. Anybody know that guy? Yeah, it's a white guy. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep. What's his name? Not the real one. What's his daddy name? Danny Tanner. Thank you. See, shout out to my little dude who knew. Danny Tanner. Exactly. He know. Full house right there. We got another one up there? Now, I know y'all know him. I know y'all know who. Look at y'all. See, the generations. Y'all just, y'all excited for him. That man was mean. Look at the face on him. Yeah, see, y'all got it. That's, that's crazy. All right, anybody else? We got another one up there? Uh-huh, yep, that's the one that taught me how to save money. If you ask my wife, I am cheap. Very, very cheap. Listen, we can go home and cook or just be hungry. So that, that's my cheap daddy right there. Anybody else? We got another one? That's the guy right there, yeah. Uncle Phil right there, that's the goat right there, right? That's, that's the one. And, it, and this crazy thing, right, about these TV dads, and I remember watching these shows glued to them, hooked, and learning about these families. But if you really think about it, all of those shows while we recognized the father, they weren't considered the main characters in the story. It wasn't really about the dads. And the funny thing about Family Matters, they actually created that show to be about Carl Winslow. They created the show to be about him, but it ended up being about who? We know who it was. Steve Urkel, because his occurring role became so popular to the world and so funny that they turned things, and instead of making it about the father, they made it about another character, right? And I want to use that because a lot of times in this world and the way we live our lives, this kingdom that we serve in, and we've been talking about kingdom over culture for a while, this kingdom that we're in was built and designed to be about the father. But somehow along the way, we turned the show upside down and we made it about us. We forgot about the father that it's really about, and we made it about the, the entertainment, the humor, the funny stuff, the drama, the, the character that you could relate to that could be about you. And you're going to hear it a lot in this sermon, newsflash, it's not about us. It's not. So what I want to do with my sermon today is I want to get things back to the Father, right? And this sermon that I'm preaching about is a very well-known story, but just like with our TV shows, we, we tend to flip it and make it about the kids and the characters instead of who it's really about. So if you could turn to your Bibles to Luke 15, Luke 15, verses 22 to 24, and I'll be reading from the New Living's translation. Luke 15, 22 through 24, all right? It's a familiar passage that some of you may know and some may not, and I'm cool with both because we're going to tell the story today. So I'm going to read it, Luke 15, 22 through 24. And I told you I like to watch TV. And then y'all watch those TV shows that kind of start the show like in the climax. They show you the beginning, then they kind of go back. That's what we're going to do here today. So I'm going to go to the climax of the story, one of the best parts. And it reads in verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us, Father God, and I ask that you just be on this stage, be present, Holy Spirit. Let's do this thing together. Allow this word to go forth to your people and allow them to see you with whatever we talk about, Father God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Right? So if you haven't caught on yet, we're going to talk about the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus told in the Bible, right? And I want to give a little backstory to that in Luke 15, right? Luke 15, verse 1, starts off by saying, the sinners 
and the tax collectors often gathered to hear Jesus speak, right? And in verse 2, it says the Pharisees saw this, and they kind of got upset and offended, and they were like, who is this man that eats and dwells with sinners and, and tax collectors, right? So I'm going to paint the picture. If we talk about who was gathering to hear Jesus, and Luke 15, 1 says they often gathered, how crazy is it that church looks more like what the Pharisees wanted than what Jesus wanted? When the sinners don't feel comfortable gathering here for real, but when it came to Jesus, the sinners and the tax collectors often gathered, and it was the Pharisees that feel some type of way about who he was dwelling with. And we just had Deacon Toms up here speaking about being with the young people, not judging them for who they are. If we're really going to do this thing kingdom style, and if we're really going to be like Jesus, doesn't it make sense that when we do this, if we're going to speak like he did, that the sinners and the people that do wrong and all that would feel comfortable being around our message. So where did we go wrong? At some point in time, we, we twisted it. And just to, I was supposed to, but just to tell you a little bit about how the Pharisees were, they treated it kind of like we treat church. You, you dress up, you get all fancy and nice. You got to be in the appearance of perfection. And then you come into the temple and you sit there and you listen to them talk about God. And then you leave. But what Jesus was doing, he was out in the streets and it was sinners, fornicators, tax collectors, crooks, murderers, lining up to listen to this man speak. They came by the thousands. But in church, we're always trying to figure out why they don't want to come in here. Maybe the culture has led us to do things like Pharisees instead of doing things like Jesus. But that's just an equation I put together. Y'all take that how y'all want to. But I know my pastor said last week that if we're not careful with how we bring culture into church, we're going to be raising Pharisees and not kids of Jesus. So I want us to be aware of that. And that is what's happening in Luke 15, right? And he tells this story about a lost son because the Pharisees were so upset with Jesus for dwelling and mingling and eating with these people. He felt like if you're such a holy man, you shouldn't be with them. And he tells this story to help them understand what it's really about. And I want to tell this story, too, and I want to walk you guys through it if you've never heard it. We're going to do a lot of reading the scripture, and I'm going to walk us through this thing, starting with verse 11 in Luke 15, right? And it says, and this is Jesus talking, trying to help them understand why he's doing what he's doing. And he says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die which is wild to say. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Right? So mind you, me being 34, how am I? 34? I'm 34, babe, right? 34. Okay, cool. Got to check every now and then, right? Me being 34, I know what it was like when I was 17, 18. Any of y'all can be honest with yourself. You couldn't wait to that moment. You say, I'm getting out this house. I'm getting away from my mama. I'm getting away from my daddy. All this fussing about the trash and the dishes. Sorry, mama, I know you're listening, but yes, I want it out. Out. Every little dish was annoying. Every light on was annoying. Everything. The AC was up too much. The AC was too low. Everything was something. I know she's watching this. She probably texting me right now. But, Lord, just every time, I mean, I would wake up like, boy, you didn't, all right, bro, all right, okay. So I got it in my mind. It's like, you know what? As soon as I can, I'm out, right? So this son in the story decides, I don't want to be here anymore. Now, you got to understand how rude this was, right? Because back in those Middle Eastern times, it was, you just had to show the utmost respect to a father. So you got to imagine how bold this son was to come to his father, be like, listen, and just read what he said. I want my money before you die. If any, I know my mom would have smacked me if I would have ever said, listen, just give me what I got when you die. Give it to me now, right? I want what's mine, what I'm supposed to have technically. I want it and I want to do what I want with it. I want to go move to this other spot and be here and do my own thing. So that's what this son does. Like some of us do, we decide we want to take our gifts, our talents, and we want to leave the father. And we want to go to this distant land, the culture, and do our own thing over here, right? So that the son decides, you know, he's grown. Any of y'all got kids that love to throw around that grown word when they turn 18? I'm, I'm grown, but yeah, we got one at the house. Listen, I'm a, I'm a grown man. No, you're not. No, you're not. You ain't paid nothing but McDonald's. You're not grown. 
So understanding he felt like he needed independence from his father, so he decides, I'm going to take everything you gave me, father, and I'm going to go somewhere else with it. So let's see what happens, right? In verse 14, about the time his money ran out, Jesus, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Adulting sucks. It sucks. Absolutely terrible, right? And I remember my first apartment when I moved out on my own. And of course, you get an apartment. The only thing you're thinking about is your freedom, right? But it never comes to mind everything that the father took care of. All you wanted was your freedom. And the crazy thing that happens, we get our freedom and we're like, yo, it's about time. Let's get it. And next thing you know, like it said in verse 13, just foolish living. Foolish. Now, my first apartment, it, listen, if that was on camera, y'all wouldn't have hired me to be here. And my wife, no, because we was in that thing, drunk. People in there throwing up, wild in part. Cops came a couple times. Listen, we had fun, a lot of fun. But also in that, I had a couple notices from the sheriff um, to get out. And I remember my very first apartment that we got evicted. It was crazy. Me and my roommate, my brother, who's also a preacher, crazy how that works. Um, we got evicted, right? So I remember talking to him one day. He's like, listen, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to live with my grandmother. And I'm in the house like, bro, what? Now, mind you, I remember staying there multiple times with the lights out. Y'all know when the power ain't on, you got to keep the refrigerator closed. I had to figure out what day I can get something out of the refrigerator. Like, it was crazy. Y'all laughing at my struggle, but it was real, right? And I remember wanting to be so grown, thinking I knew what it was about once I left my mother until I actually left, right? You hear the saying all the time, the grass ain't greener on the other side. Well, sometimes it is greener, but it's also fake, right? That grass may be green, but it's very fake, often fake, right? And how many of us know that our, our desire and our need for independence kind of got us stuck in the situations that we're in right now, right? And if you remember, I said at the beginning, this whole thing was supposed to be about the father, but what a lot of us have done in culture, we've taken what he's given us, our life, our thoughts, our free will, and we've decided to leave, and do our own thing. And then we're wondering why we're struggling with anxiety, depression, all this guilt and all these issues that we sung this morning and said are broken, but they're broken when you're with the father. You stuck when you're on your own, right? So that's what this younger son is going through. He's like, bro, I'm hungry. And I want you to realize something that's crazy. In these Jewish times, right? And if you know anything about Jews or anybody from Islam and stuff like that, they don't eat swine. They don't eat pork right? They don't. It's not good for their culture. It's not good for their bodies. That's the way they see it. Isn't it crazy that in this story, the thing that's beneath him in that world, he was forced to feed? Feeding something that was technically beneath him. How many of us have these jobs and these occupations and things that we go to every day that because we're kingdom kids, technically they're beneath us, but we're spending all of our time, our energy, our frustration feeding a system that really ain't trying to give us no food anyway? Nothing. Nothing. Right? We have these situations where young men and young ladies, they're begging for love. They want real love and affection. And they, they feed a system of showing your body and giving your body up, just begging for love. And the whole time, you can have a lot of sex with a lot of people and still never feel love. Never. A whole lot. And you're thinking it's supposed to, because everybody said that's going to get you feeling good. You do all of that and still nothing? This verse says, literally, he got the job because he was hungry. He fed the pigs. He was so hungry, he wanted what they had, and nobody gave him anything. I just want y'all to understand that in this culture that we live in, the things that we really hunger for, the world not trying to give it to you. It's not. And you can work as much as you want to in this culture and still go needing everything that you're really supposed to have with the Father, right? So let's go to verse... 17, right? Talking about the story. So he has this wake-up call, right, in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, which we've all done before, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. 
Anybody who moved out had to move back in with their parents? Am I the only one? Once you moved out on your own, then you ended up having to go back home? Any of y'all remember that speech you gave when you had to make that call? That man, man, listen. That call you have to make when you got to swallow every inch of your pride and say, hey, hey, how you doing? You, mama, you good? Yeah, no, I was just calling the, um, no, I ain't want nothing for real. Um, just checking on you. How you? You good? Things been okay, mom? Well, you know, oh, you asked me how I'm doing? Well, since you brought it up, listen, um, I'm homeless, mom. So it's just, it's crazy how we've all been in these situations where we know we tripped out, we messed up, we went out on our own, and we got to get our words right to beg to get back in. And my mom is probably laughing her butt off right now because she knows, I listen, I sat in a house with no power for about three weeks because I didn't want to go back to my mama. That's how, how prideful I was. But I did go back in. So just know how hard that had to be. And you have this son here who's like, you know what? I got I to gotta get my words together because I got to go back to my dad, right? Ain't it crazy we do God the same way where it's like, you know what? I did all this on Saturday. I wild out Friday. I did all this. Oh, I got to go to church. Let me get my speech together. Okay, Lord, um, whew, I know you saw me yesterday. Um, I know I was wrong, but, you know, hey, we about to, we about to do this thing, right? I got to sing this morning, right? I got to preach this morning. I know you saw me yesterday, but I got to do this, this thing, Lord. So if you can, um, I know I'm not worthy. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But uh, if you can let me back in so I can do your will real quick, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Lord. And we do this with God, and we, we beg, and we, we literally, not even humility, it's guilt, right? It's guilt, knowing that you should be condemned. So you have this son here who knows what he did. He disrespected his father. In those times that Jesus told this story, fathers were of the utmost priority. They were esteemed. You couldn't talk to elders a certain way, right? It's kind of how some of us act now, even though that was 2,000 years earlier. But you can't talk to people a certain way. That's how it was. And for a son to come to his father and say, listen, P, um, I know when you die, I get your money, right? All right, cool. So before you die, just give it to me now. You would kill Cole. Easily. Give me the money now. So to realize you did something that disrespectful and didn't have to go back, you're kind of confused and you're scared, right? So what the son understood or he thought based off of the culture of his time, he knew condemnation was earned, right? He knew it was deserved. It was expected. So he decided to say, I won't even come back as your son. Just hire me. Just let me work for you. We do that for God a lot. Let me just work here. I'm not going to act like a son or a daughter. I just want to work so I can get some good stuff from you and be okay. Let me praise dance. Let me sing in the choir so I can do my due diligence as a servant, but not really act like your son or daughter anymore. We do that to God. And that's what this younger son decided to do, right? So we go to verse 20 when he had to go back home. We call this the homecoming. Um, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, this is his speech that he got prepared. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but his father said to his servants, and this is what we read at the beginning. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party for his son's return began. The party for his son's return began. I want to title my sermon. I'm a little midway through and I'm sweating already. The title of my sermon is, There's No Place Like Home. There's no place like home. Right? And if any of y'all remember that feeling, now mind you, and I'm snitching because I have the mic, my mama didn't run up and kiss me when I came back. She didn't get the nicest robe in the house. I don't even remember if she cooked that night. But I do know she opened the door, which in our time is good enough. All right? But what, what happened here 
And what Jesus wanted people to understand as to why he was hanging with the sinners and the corrupt and all this other stuff, when you come back, it's a party. It's a celebration, right? And you got to understand where the sun was coming from. Condemnation was expected, but grace was given. He was expecting to be condemned. We do that when we come to church. I ask young people all the time, yo, come on, just come up. Nah, that ain't for me, coach. I don't know about that one, but listen, you know what I do, coach. You follow me on Instagram. You know what I do. I, that ain't for me, man. That, that place not for me. And that's what the Pharisees thought too. But Jesus Christ, you know, we get the name Christian from Christ. He thought that those are the people that should be here. The ones that have been wilding out, the sinners, the ones that don't have it all figured out. He told the Pharisees, the well don't need a doctor, it's the sick. It's the sick that need a doctor. Not everybody who's all good and fine and perfect, the sick need a doctor. That's why I hang with them, because that's who needs me. You feel like you got it all together, bet, have at it. But I know who needs me, and that's who I'm with. And for those who are similar to this younger son, all you had to do was come to your senses. That's all you had to do. That's all he did. He realized, but listen, my situation, I'm starving. I know for a fact the lower people in my father's house eat better than me. The ones that ain't even sons, they eat better than this. And his father met him with love and compassion, right? And you have these things that he gave him. Now, mind you, he didn't tell him to go take a shower first. Back in those times, if you were dirty, you were considered unclean. You had to keep yourself clean. He said, get the finest robe and put it on my dirty child. The finest robe. Don't get him one that we barely want. Now, give him the best because he came back home. Put the finest robe on him. I want him to know that this is our best and you're dirty. Take it anyway. Right? So when we say he covered our sins, I think we miss it. He didn't wait for us to get clean and get better and figure it out. He said, no, I'm going to cover the dirt on you with the best I have. I'll send my son, Jesus, who is my absolute best. I'm going to cover your sins with my best. But they don't feel that when they come to church. They feel like the suit covers them. The dress shoes cover them. They don't feel like the love covers them. We, we feel like it's something else. We get dressed up. We get fake. Really fake. That's how church has been. They don't feel like coming dirty. Come in smelling like weed. It's cool, bro. It's okay. I got a robe for you. Come on. We have to be like that if we're really going to be in the kingdom. When they come back, we got to throw the finest robe on them. We got to have a celebration, right? I remember my time going away from church for a while and coming back. And I noticed some young adults and some young people have done that. You come back and you've been gone for a while and everybody's like, oh, where you been? Hmm. Okay, I see you in the house today. Hmm, welcome back. Instead of, yo, hey, you want to go out to eat? But it's on me. Let's go get some food. But I ain't seen you in a while. I missed you. I'm just glad you're home, Right? We have to do a better job here at church to be more kingdom than culture. Culture condemns. Kingdom gives grace. And we have to be better at that here in this house. We have to, if we're going to look like Christ and not Pharisees, right? So we have this climax in the story and things that happen, but it's not the end of the story. Right? And I told you a little back history about Jesus talking to the sinners and the Pharisees. He had a big mixed collection, right? Kind of like church. We got sinners. We got some Pharisees in here. You figure out which one you are. But he was talking to everyone. And he told two stories before this. He told the story of the lost sheep. Right? If you lose one out of 100, you go find it. You come back, you celebrate. Everybody happy because I lost them. He was trying to help them understand why he was chilling with the sinners. He said, all right, y'all don't get it. I'll tell you another story. All right, so imagine you lost some money. You lost a coin, all right? You lose it in the house and you can't find it, but you need it. So you're moving everything around the house. You're looking for it, trying to figure it out. You find it. You're like, yes, I found what I lost. Let's celebrate. And they're still looking at him like, yeah, I hear you, bro, but why are you with them? So Jesus tells a third story, similar to the first two, but he adds something else. Right. And it's this part 
in the prodigal son, the lost son, that I want to add that Jesus added, and like we said at verse 11, to prove his point further, right? So verse 25 says, meanwhile, the older son, because there were two at the beginning of the story, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he told him, and your father has killed the fattened calf we are celebrating because of his safe return. We're celebrating your little brother coming back, right? Verse 28 says, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He was confused. See, this story was for the lost and the Pharisees. Because if Jesus was such the son of God and you were so holy and so important, we've been here slaving for you and doing right. Why are you with them? If you are who you say you are, why do they get to be with something so holy and you over here rebuking us? So the son is angry, angry, feeling like he's done all the right stuff. He's been a good boy, been on his best behavior. And when the one who was out with the prostitutes, I mean, with the hoes, that's what he was doing. That, mm, the Bible said it, not me. We don't say prostitutes these days. We say, we say hoes. That's what we say. Don't shame your head. That's what we say. That's what they said. He, like, yo, what? he was doing all that, and you give him the fattened calf? Right, a little history. The fattened calf, right, when you eat, that was something for special occasions. The absolute best occasion, right, where you have this animal that you're feeding, you're feeding, you don't let it walk because you don't want to lose weight. You're trying to fatten it up so it's more meat. So the one you've been waiting to use this whole time, Dad, you used on the one that spent all your money? The one who wasted everything about himself? That's who we gonna celebrate? I didn't even get a goat, bro. Not a goat. But he get the, the one we, we don't, we don't open that bottle of wine, Dad. Why he get it? We don't sit on that couch, Grandma. Why we sitting on it now? Because he home. What we doing? That's the white room. What we doing? Why we in there? Why the fine china out? It's not Thanksgiving. Why he get it? That's what he, that's what he did. He was upset and angry with the father. And if you listen to what he said, he missed the importance of it like the Pharisees did. When he talked about his brother, he said, this son of yours, y'all know how like y'all, any siblings out here, you talk about your dad, Yo, get your dad. That ain't mine. Get your dad. Get your little brother. I don't know what's wrong with him. Get your little brother. You don't claim him no more. So he's like, yo, this son of yours is back after spending all your money on prostitutes? See, he only saw his sin and not his return. He missed it. He missed it. He saw his brother back, he heard all the celebration, and instead of being excited like the father, having a heart like the father, he pointed out his sin. He pointed out his mistakes. And while we may pretend and be perfect in church, what about our families? How many young people in our families, when we see them, it's like, mm, how you doing? You get a job yet? You found a man yet? You, you still working? Oh, okay, you, mm, I ain't seen you in church in a while. The first thing you want to address is the problem, the sin. That's what culture does. We point out the wrong thing. It's the Pharisee brother. He missed my brother's back. My little brother was lost. He's back. Nah, bump that. Why are we eating the good food? That was his feelings. He was upset and angry, and he missed it. See, Jesus told the story twice. The first two times was for the lost people, but then he had to add this part in the third one. It was for the Pharisees, right? How, imagine this story if the father didn't come running for the son, but the older brother opened the door. Imagine what a younger brother would do if they're greeted by the older brother. So imagine why certain people don't want to come to church because they're greeted by older brothers. And they're not greeted with the heart of the father. 
that's willing to put the best on them. They're greeted with the person that's looking at them like, hey, oh, you back now? All right, well, go ahead and get to work. Because see, the son didn't even understand his father. He came back trying to be a servant. And if the older brother would have opened the door, he would have made him a servant and not a son. Right. He would have told him, well, this is how you need to act for now on. This is what you need to stop doing. No more drinking. No more cussing. Tighten up. Be better. Pull your pants up. Take the hat off. I'm going to leave y'all alone today. <laughs> he would have told him to do all this. Because he was back and he wanted to fix him first instead of letting him come back and be a son. The older brother would have made him a servant, but the father says, you just come back and be a son. Right. And I want you to understand when he gave him the ring. See, all the families back then, the ring identified what family you belong to. Right. As soon as he came back on site, he gave him his identity back, gave it right back to him, right back. He put the identity back on his finger. He gave him sandals for his feet as soon as he came back. But let the older brother open that door. Go get to work, little bro. Earn your way back in here. Be a good boy. Then we'll treat you like you belong. But that's not the heart of the father, right? Verse 31 speaks to the heart of the father. Verse 31, his father said to him, look, look. Dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. He's found. The Pharisees thought something else mattered to God. And Jesus came here to let them know it matters that they're found again. It doesn't matter that they sound right, they dress right, they clean themselves up. It matters that they came back. And I know for a fact there are young people in here that are hesitant to give their life to Christ because they think they have to dress up first. They think they have to fix themselves first. Understand what this story says and what Jesus Christ, so real Christians should understand. It's about you coming home. It's about you coming home. It's not about you being perfect and getting yourself together. It's come home. And when you do, the identity is back. I'll give it right back to you because I know you want to be home. Not the duck in and out that some of us Pharisees do. All right, God, party Saturday. Hey, worship Sunday. All right. Party Saturday. Hey, worship Sunday. I was a good boy. I worked for you. But were you a son? Were you a daughter or did you just show up and do work for him? See, what the kingdom will really look like if we want, and we're talking about kingdom over culture, what the kingdom is really going to look like, the sinners will be in here too. It might smell like weed in here if we really want to represent Christ. I know y'all don't want to hear that, but it is what it is. Your perfume and weed will be mixed, and maybe then it'll look like kingdom, because if we read Luke 15, 1, it says, the sinners and the tax collectors often gather to hear him. But in church, the Pharisees gather to hear. Let's be honest. And if we really want to get back to kingdom, it's not that we go out there and say, hey, y'all come on. Maybe when they come, we greet them with the heart of the father and not the heart of the older brother. What heart do you greet people with, right? So I want, to, I want this to be understood, and um, if you can throw before you throw the last slide up there, right? There's an issue with this story. I know I'm getting on the older brother right now, but let's understand the younger brother didn't understand his father either because he thought he had to grovel his way back. He had to grovel. I've had my mom tell me multiple times, I'm not going to say no. All you got to do is ask. Now, you may get a speech. with a camera at? Because I know you may get a speech. <laughs> but you don't got to grovel to come back. You just got to come back. Some of y'all parents right now, you may have kids that are out there and you want them to come back to the fold, but they feel like you might condemn them. And you're over here with the heart of the father. I just want you to come back. I'm not going to condemn you. Just come back. The older brother and the younger brother didn't understand the father at all. Right. So if we could put the last slide up just to, to divide. And I know some people take pictures in the sermon. You can take pictures of this. Right. The culture side. Right makes a lost son or a daughter feel like their sins won't allow them to be back with the father. 
If we pay attention to this story, the younger brother felt like his sin was the reason he couldn't be a son anymore. And that's not the heart of the father, but that's the way the culture is set up. That's the way we teach it. That's the way we act. Be perfect when you come in here. Button it up. Tighten up. Yeah, watch your words, all of that. We, everybody got that off and on switch, that code switching. We, we know how to do it. You are just set up to, as soon as you walk through the door, your curse switch goes off. You don't cuss no more. You know how to cut it off immediately. But as soon as you get in that car, your kid looking at you, bro, won't she just praising God, bro? Didn't she just say hallelujah? Now she talking about, okay, cool, ma, good talk. We switch it up. And now you have these kids who feel like, well, if I step in here, I got to get perfect. I got to do better. I can't still be attracted to all these girls. I can't be attracted to the same sex. I can't. Not before I get there. I got to tighten up before I get here. That's not the heart of the father. That's culture. That's not the kingdom, right? Culture builds and celebrates a life independent of God. It celebrates it. It builds it. Now, this one may make you uncomfortable, but how often are we checking the boxes for the things that the world requires from our kids and not the things God requires? How often do we check the grades and not the Bible study application? How often are we making sure the scholarship paper is done but not the Bible study is attended? How often are we showing up every Sunday for sports events, but, eh, you know, y'all got an event at church? They might be there. We do this. We check the boxes. Culture celebrates all the other things that we build. Obtain money, six figures, balling, get the best girl, baddest one, the one the Instagram model, get her, show off. We celebrate these things. We build that type of life. And then we tell the kids, well, you're not successful unless you know what you're doing before you turn 18. Not a chance. We sit them in a building for years and we tell them, you got to know this, that and the third. Spend all these hours on this stuff to give you a job that you're going to be in debt in when you get to. But then we'll spend an hour and a half here on the week. We've built our lives to be successful in culture. And then we wonder why the kingdom stuff not working. You're not strong enough. You're not built for it because you haven't built your life around it. We built it to appease culture. And then when they go out here and try to win in culture, they come back depressed. Anxiety because what they really needed was never met. The younger son was hungry and he still got no food. You got kids trying to seek your approval with their grades and everything and they still can't get it. They perfect. Straight A's, ma. Still not looking at me the way I want you to look at me. I'm trying to be a good kid. I can't get no girl to like me. What's going on here? You're playing by the wrong set of rules. And then the last one, the rest of the world doesn't understand the father because the kids don't. The kids don't. Imagine, right, you have this younger son who comes back home. The father greets him. But imagine if somebody wanted to be a part of that kingdom. And based off of what the younger son thought and what the older son thought, they would have thought it was about earning. They would have thought it was about working. They would have thought it was about perfection. What if maybe people don't want to be here because we don't know the heart of the Father? What if your children left church once they went to college because they never understood the heart of the Father? We only told them to be good, show up, be perfect. And then they went to this world to say, oh, I could be anything I want to be? Bet, I'm good. We let the world steal what Jesus said. I don't care about all that stuff. But now the world is saying, we don't care about none of that stuff. I know them Christians, they're bullies. They're mean. Come to us. We'll let you be whatever you want to be. You want to be a girl today? Bet. You want to switch tomorrow? Bet. You want to like that? Cool. You want to drink on Friday? Go for it. We'll celebrate it. Put it in every rap video. Go for it. Oh, you want to own a gun? I got you. I know somebody who got Whatever you want. You just come be a part. But what we do in churches say, well, if dad finds out, he's going to be mad. So be better. Tighten up. Be your best. Look the part. Be obedient. What are you doing? How are you messing up? That's not the heart of the father. It's the heart of the culture that we let in here. It's a Pharisee thought. You're not clean enough to be with the father. That's what the younger son thought. He thought he had to be a servant. And the older son thought, how could you celebrate something 
that's so sinful? How can you be with this? Why is the best robe on my little brother? He was just with prostitutes. That's how culture is set up. But the kingdom, the kingdom is set up different, right? The kingdom knows whether you struggle with sin or walk in obedience. It's about being with the father. It's always been about being with the father. Church is confusing because we made it about so much else than being with the father. It's just about being at home. Y'all know when Thanksgiving come, every aunt, uncle, the crooked one, the nice one, all that, everybody coming back and you sitting there like, all right, we got one day, we got to prepare for all these people. Everybody coming back, but they all get to sit at the table. Why not in church? If they can sit at your table for Thanksgiving, why they can't sit at the table in church? Why don't they feel welcome to be here as sinners, as people that are crooked and messed up? This is where they belong. But that's how kingdom would set it up, but culture hasn't, right? Kingdom has an older brother with the same heart as the father. I asked you, what would the story look like if the older brother met the younger son? What would the story look like if the younger son had a great time in the distant land? Everything was perfect for him. He would have never felt a need to come back. For what? I'm very full. I'm, f- I'm fed. They do great for me out here. Well, I'm going back home for it. And that's what we're really struggling with right now, if we're being honest. We have a world that is just fine without God. They're just fine. See, in these times when Jesus came, he was coming around people who were, were in trouble, struggling, wanting the Savior to be here. We got a generation right now, I'm good with or without him. It don't make no difference to me. So now what do we do when they're okay out there? If the younger brother would have been successful, would the older brother went to go get him? That's what you really need to ask yourselves. Are we willing to go get our little brothers and bring them back to the house and celebrate them coming back instead of condemning them and telling them what they have to do now that they're back home? The kingdom has a younger brother or older brother that has the same heart as the father. And the last one, the kingdom knows that condemnation may have been deserved, but grace was given. Grace was given. Yes, condemnation is deserved. Let me clear this up. When we mess up, we deserve condemnation. They deserve to get fussed out. They deserve the long speeches. They deserve to get told to tighten up. They deserve to get looked at crazy for wasting your money. But is that what they need to get? Do we give grace or do we give the condemnation? When they come back in, do we tell them, take the hat off? Pull your pants up. That's not the seat you should be sitting in. You smell like weed. Do you need a new shirt? I got a shirt for you, baby. You need a shirt? Or do we give them grace and say, bro, I'm glad you're back. I'm just happy you're home. And I need at least 10 or 12 people to understand that if we're really going to be a kingdom-minded church, we got to start giving out grace instead of condemnation. We got to give out grace. We got to stop giving people what we think they deserve because they messed up. It ain't about that. It's not. And I know for years I've heard this story and I try to put myself in a position where I'm out of older son or the younger son. Here's the truth of the matter. The story is not about you. It's not about you. It never was. That's why we're struggling that things ain't perfect in our life because we think it's about us. It's about the father. It's always been about the father. This story is about the father, but we tell it like it's about the lost son. We preach, come on back, baby. But they don't come back unless the father's son is willing to put that identity back on them. The father's willing to give you your identity back. All you got to do is say you want to come back. You don't have to be perfect. And nobody's told me I'm wrong. Ain't nobody take the mic. So understand me clearly. I know what church may have done in the past. I know what people say on social media about church and Christians, but we not God. We may carry the name Christian, but we're not Christ. We mess up. We are wrong. We misrepresent. We are often the older brother instead of the father. We have an older brother heart a lot of times. We still want you to come back because the father is waiting for you. The father is waiting. 
anxious. The story said the father saw him a long way off. That means the father wasn't handling nothing else. He wasn't off sitting there doing some taxes or working on a business or doing something else. He was waiting. He stood there waiting for his son. He saw him from a distance. And you got to understand this about fathers back in the day. They wore nice robes. They wore all this other stuff, fancy sandals. They didn't run. They didn't go break a sweat for nobody. They had servants that did that. They walked all bougie and fancy. They walked all uptight. So imagine the type of heart you got to do to say, I'm breaking what my culture says I have to do. I'm running for my son who's finally on his way back home. Finally coming back. We have to be that type of church. You have to be that type of mom, that type of dad, that type of aunt, that type of brother, that type of sister. You have to be. It's about coming back. It's not about anything else anybody made it. You don't have to be perfect. He didn't require it. You don't got to get yourself together. We'll put the best robe on you. Sin and all. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But we miss out on verse 17 when Jesus said, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't even come to condemn. Why are we doing it? It's not what he came for. So if they're thinking of something else, then maybe we need to get back to being kingdom. Maybe we need to ignore what culture says we have to do as parents and as uncles and mentors and coaches or whatever and be what kingdom says we have to be. Maybe we got it wrong, right? And I know some young person is listening. I know we got a lot of young people in here right now. I really want to give you the invitation right now. I really do. To come back home to the place you were meant to be. Don't worry about all the stuff you got to fix. Can we stand? Can we stand real quick? Can we stand? Yeah, come on. Because I really, I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity and really understanding what it's about to the Father, right? If you are here, if you are here, we've been, we've been ending with altar calls lately and I want to do that again. If you are here and you know you've been the younger son, you know you've been the older brother. And we all know it's about time to get back to the Father. Can you come forward, please? If you know that it's time to get back to the Father, we don't got to wait. If you know this church needs to get back to being about the Father, we don't have to wait. Yes, come on. We don't got to wait for nothing. It's about being with the Father. It's not about anything else. It's not about being perfect. Your sins are welcomed here. They are welcomed here. Anything you're doing wrong is welcomed here. You're allowed back with the Father. You're allowed back. Yeah, y'all can go ahead, right? Just want to be understood, man. Mm. Can we have some intercessors come forward, please? We have any intercessors? going to do is I need our youth and young adults to come down right I need our youth and young adults to come down because I, I understand I understand that position right and if we, we can do if we let them forward please can we let them forward to the altar if we can surround them can we let them forward let them forward because I, I under man when I tell you I get it I get it I didn't even want to come back and serve in this church because I thought I had to be a certain way. I didn't even want to work for the God I knew I believed in because I thought I had to be a certain way. And some of y'all are, are really thinking it's about the sin you committed. It's about you wanting to come back. It's simply about you wanting the Father. It's not about perfection. It's not about our time. Even if you don't do it today, He's still waiting for you. I promise you He's waiting. There's no perfect way to do this thing. We had some youth pray this morning and they were worried about how they would sound. It's not about that. It's not. It's about the Father that's waiting for you. He's waiting. So if any point in time 
you are ready to go home and you get your wake-up call that I've been searching the world trying to get fulfillment I've been trying to get appeased by the world I've been trying to get approval from the world I've been trying to get everybody to say I look the best and all this other stuff if you've ever wanted to realize that everything you're looking for is back with the Father that's what this whole thing is about when we messed up it was always about being able to come back to the Father it was never about being perfect ever and if we can reach our hand to our young kids while we pray that they would feel and understand the sense that Lord it's about being back with you Father God that it's not about the perfection that the culture makes us feel it's not about our mistakes that we made it's not about knowing all the scriptures it's about do we want to sit at a table with a father that loves us Father God, I pray over these youth and young adults, Father God, my generation, the generation younger, Father God, the people that are watching, Father God, that feel that their perfection is needed, Father God, that condemnation is waiting for them. It's not, Father God. Condemnation is not waiting for them, Lord. Grace is waiting for us, Father God. Grace is waiting for these young people, Father God, that have not decided to be serious about you yet, Father God. Those who are unsure, grace is waiting, Father God. I just ask that you just be in the lives of these young people, Father God, while they are struggling and trying to figure out who they are and where they are in this culture, Father. That you would have your arms open waiting for them, Father God, ready to give them an identity that they can be what you've called them to be, Father God that they are your sons and daughters in Christ, Father. That they are who you say they are and not Pharisees, not perfect Christians, none of that, Father God. That we can come back to the Father, Lord. Father God, in whatever way they need to experience you, Lord, let that be so. Let whatever seed is planted today, Father God, whatever seed is watered, Father God, you provide the increase, Lord. Help them see the Father, Lord. Help us as a church, as a ministry, as a community to be more about the kingdom than we are about culture, Father God. That we're not trying to perfect this out of good, pleasing deeds, Father God, but that we want to do right by the Father that loves us, Lord. Be here in the midst, Father God. Cover these kids in the world that we have young people shooting each other, shooting at teachers, Father God. Cover them in this world that we're struggling with, Lord. All of these struggles are because we're without the Father. All of these struggles are because we're without the Father. Every struggle you're dealing with is because you're not at home. Because you're not back at home. You're struggling to pay the bills in your life because you don't realize the Father takes care of those things. If anything gets broken at the house, the Father picks it. He takes care of it. The Father handles all the maintenance. Nobody has to clean up things when they're living with their father. Nobody has to fix the water and the leaks or anything like that. The father handles the maintenance. You don't have to be at home fixing the maintenance. The father handles that. Help us see, Lord, that it is not about how we fix ourselves up. But it's about that we come home, Father God. Thank you for having your arms open for us, Father God. Thank you for inviting us back, Father God. Thank you for what you're going to do, Father God, in our lives. Thank you for allowing us to have identity despite the fact that we wanted to be independent of you, Lord. I ask that you just be with us, Father God. Touch these lives. Cover these lives, Father God. Order their steps, Lord, that they may lead back to you. Whatever wake-up call they need, Father God, that they may see that it's about being with the Father. And for our sister, Father God, who was bold and brave enough to come back, Father God, that knew she needed you, Father God. Help her hear the roars of heaven, Father God. Help her hear that she is welcome back home, Father God, that we love her, Father God, that she has a robe with us, Father God, that she has a ring with us, Father God, that she has sandals with us, Father God, that she is home, Father God. We thank you for your grace, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's all stand, please. We need to give Meech a big clap off and a praise. He, the Lord used him mightily today. We still have some that are in the midst of prayer and in need, and we're going to give space to what God needs to do. Meet you right there. So many of us that come to church still in condemnation. Romans 8 and 1 tells us there's no more condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus. He just wants us to come back to the Father. Thank you for that reminder today. We're going to dismiss just like this. If there are any that need to come back, we have intercessors, ministers, that will be here at the altar that will be praying if you want to accept Christ if you want to partner with us in ministry we'll also be up here once uh, we formally dismiss from service today thank you all for being here now God may your grace your peace and your power keep and sustain us all in Jesus name let everybody say amen God bless you love you in Jesus name Come join Pastor Swan as he is the guest speaker for a men's prayer and worship breakfast on January 28th in Maryland. Cost is $15 for the van ride. Cash app TC Skinner or see Minister Potter for more information. Interested in social justice? Come out on Saturday, January 28th from 10.30 to 12. Light refreshments served as we discuss community issues. Register now on our websites and Ivy apps. Parents and youth, free tutoring is available by appointment. Email christianed at ivybaptistchurch.org for more information. One thing that's true about Ivy is that we don't just love God, but we also love God's people and our community. We have started an initiative called Operation Bless the Community. And since we started it, we have raised almost $150,000 and all of the resources are going right back out into our community so our community and our families can be better. We're gonna do it again this year. We want your support. Any donation of any amount that goes to Operation Bless the Community, 
will go out into the communities that we serve to make our place better for everyone. We want everybody to win around here. So please, why don't you consider giving a donation to Operation Bless the Community? Any size, any amount, all of it will go toward blessing our community and helping those in need. We appreciate in advance your support. Join the Hampton Roads community for a prayer vigil at Liberty Live Church in Hampton on Saturday, February 5th at 2 p.m. Men, come out to a prostate cancer early detection event held on Saturday, February 11th from 9 to 12 here at Ivy. Call 1-800-520-7006 to register. Val Keepers is hosting a Valentine's Masquerade Ball on Saturday, February 18th from 6.30 to 9. Semi-formal event at Spring Hill Suites in Hampton. Early bird cost is $65 per couple until January 30th. $75 until February 12th. Limited space, so get your tickets now from our website and app. 